0: We are uh, finishing up our sermon series today on uh, what it means to love like Jesus, and uh, it's been kind of a fun journey with you all. So thank you for coming with coming with us. Um, th- we kicked this off on our grand reopening, and um, what a what an experience that was, and and kind of moving forward. And and today, what I w- really want to kind of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a significant amount of information. And my hope is that you're not 100% bored by it. That's kind of what we're going in for. So I'm setting expectations here. Um, uh, through self-deprecation humor, my favorite. and uh, But I think it's really good information, so don't get me wrong. But I, I want to talk today a little bit about how we as a church are trying to love like Jesus. And so I like to do this at least once or twice a year and kind of walk through what is happening specifically outside of Sunday mornings. Because our church has always been and will continue to always be a church that is much more significant than just Sunday mornings. Nothing wrong with Sunday mornings. Um, I happen to be a fan of gathering with you all. This is really special, but there's a lot of things that happen, and I want to share some of that. Before we do, I want to, I want to share with you uh, briefly a scripture passage, uh, because loving like Jesus is really important, and I want to I want to look at one that's very popular, and you've probably read it before. I don't have it up on the screen, and so you can follow along if you want by pulling out this old um, the, the paper version of the Bible, if you're familiar, or your phone. Um, and I will even give you the page number if you want to follow along. Um, it is uh, on page um, 1535, uh, uh, 1535, If you're using the same Bible as me, uh, I do believe there's a few like large print editions. Those are different page numbers. Um, but it's Matthew chapter twenty two, verses thirty six to forty. Very very popular passage. You'll, you'll many of you will be familiar with it. Um, and I want to look at uh, starting with verse uh, verse thirty four on the bottom of one five three five. So Jesus is, is in ministry. Um, he's uh, constantly being challenged by the religious authorities. Um, that's what kind of continues to be the trend for people who follow Jesus, Religious people with a religious authority, like, I don't know, the, you know, I don't really like what you're doing. And so they're challenging Jesus, and they challenge him in this story as well. So verse 34, he says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. So it's like, okay. It's kind of like a, in a boxing match where what do you call it when you like you tap somebody in? Is that what it's called? Tapping somebody in? You tag team it. You you tap out. Well, no. You tag in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at a room of people who've never boxed. <laughs> that's what I just realized. I'm not in my notes, but I I met with a, a nonprofit boxing organization that's connected with our violence reduction work this week, and and um, the, one of them the 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 woman uh, who was there is like an Olympic qualifying boxer and uh, they would know. (laughs) But they're like, hey, he silenced the Sadducees. So the Pharisees is like, oh, let's look. We're going to give it a shot to like knock Jesus out. He says so. So one of them, an expert in the law. So like they put in their best man, tested him with this question. I'm sure they're just like, this is such a clever question. We're really going to get him. Teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Which is a good, challenging question because you're like, he could answer wrong. All of the law is important. And if he gives the wrong impression, we're going to get him. And Jesus, of course, without much of a pause, says, and this is the part you've probably heard a thousand times, some of you anyways. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right. What's the greatest commandment? He says, love God and love others the way that you love yourself. So there's three people being loved here, of course. We've got to love ourselves. Otherwise, and I have found that it is possible to love yourself a little too much and not love other people. That's possible. But what's not possible is to love other people if you don't love yourself. You just don't do it well. If you're not comfortable with who you are. And so you got to love others as you love yourself and you got to love God with all you. And he goes on, he says, he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You know, it's really easy for churches to get into kind of like ruts and kind of focus on one thing versus the other. We tend to be either or people, you know, it's either this or that. And one a good example is the way in which we kind of live out our faith. Um, it's it's there's there's some Christians, and I'm talking in very broad brushstrokes. So just deal, just walk with me. It's okay. Every there's new there's nuance in everything, but I'm gonna speak in big brushstrokes, right? You know, th- there's a tendency sometimes to really focus on social issues, and some Christians like that's their thing. Like we want to be people in the world, and we want to engage in social issues and acts of justice, and like that's that's what we're gonna do. And it's all about what we do in the community. And there's other Christians who are like, you know what, it's really about what's going on inside you, your own personal relationship with God, your own personal spirituality, growing in your knowledge of love and God and neighbor. And it's kind of an individual thing. And it's really, you know, these are kind of the two the two spectrums. And of course, if you know me, I'm I'm not an either or guy. It's both. and. And And we really strive to be And one of the ways I think it means to be a church that loves like Jesus is to not only engage in issues of justice. What does it mean to love your neighbor? If you're not engaged in issues of justice and challenging systems of oppression, how can you say you're loving your neighbor? But of course, it's also about a personal journey that you're on and kind of growing in your faith and recognizing and growing in your self-awareness. And so I want to talk today a little bit about why we do what we do as a church and walk through some of these things. And it's both, It's always both in, And so there are things that we are trying to do to make the world a better place. And there are things that we are trying to do to make us better people at the same time. And those go hand in hand. So I want to walk through a little bit of how our church is trying to love like Jesus. We are not perfect. Um, I'm certainly not perfect. and uh, But I think we're doing the best that we can. And honestly, I'm really proud to be a pastor here. And I'm really proud of what we've been able to do and what we continue to do. Um, specifically, I want to start by talking about what we're doing in the community and how we try to engage in issues beyond, um, beyond uh, just our church. So the first one is Columbus Violence Reduction. If you're new with us, um, we're one of the premier partners with the Department of Public Safety um, and their work around violence reduction. And so this, um, just very briefly, is an evidence-based model that works with the 0.05% of Columbus's population that commits the majority of the violence in Columbus. So this is a a fun fact, not a fun fact, an interesting fact (laughs) that we often don't know, but um, the majority of violence in our city is committed by a very, very small percentage of our population. And there are people in the Department of Public Safety who know who those people are. And so this model is very simple. If I was to summarize it, say, like, hey, we, we know who the people are most likely to commit violence and to experience violence. What if we went and talked to them and offered to help? And, and, and you, you're in your head and you're like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Traditional law enforcement doesn't work that way. Traditional law enforcement says, I'm gonna wait for you to commit a crime and then I'm going to arrest you. And so that's why law enforcement knows who's most likely to commit a crime. They're watching, them, waiting for them to commit a crime and then they arrest them. This model flips that and says, hey, we know who you are, so let's go talk to you. So the police go and talk to this individual who's been identified as somebody who's likely to commit violence. And they say, hey, here's why you're on our radar, here's your known associates. You know, they're just very transparent, which is kind of nice and refreshing in a way. Um, but also there's a program called CVR, Columbus Violence Reduction, um that would love to help, and what and whatever you know what what do you need in order to live a nonviolent life? And so CVR goes and they have intervention specialists, and they meet with these individuals and they offer to help. But here's the catch. City of Columbus can actually directly provide resources to some of these individuals because of various governmental red tape. And friends, that's where our church comes into play. We are the agency that provides tangible resources to the population CVR is providing. And so far we have served indirectly by providing small micro grants to 40 individuals connected with group and gang violence. And this just started this year. Isn't that exciting? It's, it's profound. I heard, uh, um, you can go, go to the, and worth uh, about 4,000 has been distributed. Um, here's what I heard from one of the intervention specialists. His name's Sean, I just saw him on Friday. Um, I just saw him on Friday because he was uh, going, uh, I was helping a, a young man who has a, his connection with group and gang violence, I, I, and he needed a car part, so we went to AutoZone over on the south side, and we hooked him up with a car part, and our CVR fund paid for it. But um, Sean told me this story a while back. He says, um, specifically regarding somebody who received, uh, we provided some funds to help with a down payment. And you have to understand that this individual specifically was living in a situation where they were more likely to engage in violence if they continued to live in this apartment complex. And so by providing a down payment, not the whole one, but part of the down payment for them to be able to move, really did. So he, he says it like this. He says, this not only helped them avoid eviction, which was on the horizon, but by moving them out of a neighborhood that carried some negative associations and into one where they could get a fresh start and feel more safe and secure. It helped them move out of a dangerous neighborhood into a one where they felt safe and secure. This payment may seem small to us, but it means the world to this family and has impact beyond things that we are not always able to measure. We are not able to predict what could have happened had we not assisted. Someone said it in the social service world, it's hard to measure a non-event. Um, and, and and it's much easier to measure an event, but the 40 people we've served are all non-events. We've prevented something, we don't even know what we prevented. but. Praise God we were there. So, so we don't know exactly everything, um, how, if we had not sus- assisted, but we can definitely take this opportunity to reflect on all the amazing things that have happened because of this. This young man is now re enrolled in school and looking to enter the construction trade, and that we will continue to work with him and do all that we can to support his success but I wanted to take some time to share this because everything you and your congregation does to support this effort is so vital and does not go unnoticed. And I, sh- I take time every year to share things like this because you probably didn't see this email. They didn't, you didn't get copied on it. But he's talking about you all. The difference you're making just by showing up, putting a little bit of offering in an envelope for those who still have cash and checks, whoever you are, giving online, praying for our church. I mean, this is your part of this. It's, it's great. So Columbus violence reduction is really important. We, we've held um, uh, an event recently, a conversation. We're in the process of working with the Department of Public Safety to create a fund at the Columbus Foundation. Um, and with that, we'll be doing some additional fundraising. If you're at all interested in... Um, uh being a part of this let me know we are right now in the process of partnering with them for a christmas event where we will most likely and and we're still solidifying this but we'll most likely be hosting a toy store where the the guys that cvr works with are able to come and uh essentially kind of like purchase or, or or use like donated credit and pick out toys for their family so it's kind of not a traditional toy drive where they just get random stuff um which as a recipient, I was a recipient of that once in my family. And I was like, my parents would never give me these toys. Um, So we want to empower the families to be able to pick something out. And so we're gonna be putting together, hopefully we'll be able to work this out where we'll have a toy drive and we're gonna need some volunteers. So you'll get to actually walk with and meet some of the guys that CVR works with and it should be a really fun event. So if you're interested in CVR, let me know. I'll I'll try to add you to the list as we continue to explore ideas of partnering with that. The next area I want to briefly update you on is our, uh, this is something that we, we put together for our, our, our grand opening. Uh, the day before our grand opening, we went and filled 100 blessing boxes all over uh, central Ohio. It was super fun. Well done, everyone. And uh, I want to bring it up because uh, we now also have a, a blessing box out here that's getting used. We have to keep filling it. And I guess that was the idea. Um, but a blessing box, if you're unfamiliar, is a is a, f- just a outdoor, publicly accessible box where people can take what they want and leave what they want. There's no hours attached to it. It's just when you need it. And so these get used on average about five to seven times a day throughout the city of Columbus. And we were able to stock all, all 100 on one day. Um, what we're working on right now as we continue to move forward is we're actually going to be creating a little um, blessing box center of sorts <laughs> probably in this direction of the building. That's why I'm pointing over there. And we'll be uh, receiving donations, so you can provide donations. We'll then be stocking some bags with needed supplies. And then, literally any Sunday, because I guarantee you, you live near a blessing box. You just do. And you can look it up online. BlessingBoxes.org. you'll be able to just grab one of these bags full of supplies and take it to a blessing box that you've noticed is empty in your area. Um, and then bring the bag back and we'll stock it and it'll be in that little center. And we'll just, that's one of the ways we'll continue to serve blessing boxes throughout uh, central Ohio. But um, of course, also keeping our stocked as well. It's another just small way that we're trying to make a difference in the community. Another thing that I wanna let you know about is our mental health fund. especially if you're new with us i want to let you know that we have one this is a fund that's specifically um, designed to provide small micro grants to individuals who want to see a counselor therapist spiritual direction etc anything that's going to help you kind of work through your mental health i've personally i've struggled with anxiety and depression i've found therapists in various seasons of my life to be essential I've gone to couples therapy with my wife. I've done a variety of other things to my own mental health. I've used the mental health fund myself. And I'm I'm probably using it again soon. Um, So if you're interested in therapy, we'll not only walk with you to help you find somebody because that's actually kind of the most difficult part, but we'll also cover the first five sessions or so to get you started. Um, This here is a picture of a drum circle, so uh, Jesse is a part of our mental health team, Uh, Jen manages it now, Jen's in the back if you want to talk to her more about it, she's very passionate about it. Um, Jesse's been a part of our team, he's also a licensed therapist. Um, He's uh, uh, candidly, he's actually working with me right now, uh, exploring some options, because I want to go back to therapy and work on some things that I'm working on. And he's given me some really interesting, like good conversation. He called me and he's like, what are you looking for? And he gave me some good recommendations. He'll do that for anyone in our community. But he also is a drummer, and he does this drum circle, and I can't fully explain it, but there's something about sitting in a circle, studies have found, actually helps with mental health and create connection, and there's something just like primal about it, I guess, where you're just banging on a drum. We did it once, and uh, people loved it, and uh, Molly, our City Kids director, was there, and she loves it, she's also a music person, Jesse's a big fan, Um, and so we had the opportunity to buy a bunch of like ridiculously expensive drums for 50% off. And so we are now the proud owners of hand drums. And I guess we're going to be doing this regularly. Um, a couple times a year having a drum circle. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. It's, it's actually really fun and, uh, helps, um, to ease anxiety and promote relaxation. And, uh, Jesse, who's a licensed therapist, kind of, it's part of like drum therapy. So he kind of walks us through the process. It's nice. Um, I did ask, um, Somebody who received a grant to share a little bit of the impact the Mental Health Fund had. I believe I have a slide for that, Madeline. Do I? Yeah. Back. Yeah. Um, This person, um, I I was texting them, and I said, hey, could you share a little bit about the impact it had? They said, the Mental Health Fund was really helpful to me and my fiancé. We used it, part of it, for couples therapy, and it gave us a lot of insights. And I used part of it myself for spiritual direction, which helped me think through my beliefs and how I know about God. Um, I'm already financially stressed and trying to pay off debt, so the spiritual direction in particular, I wouldn't have been able to do it if it weren't for the mental health fund. The fund itself helped my mental health to take off some of the financial burden of the services I needed. I need a lot of services on the regular for my mental health, and it really adds up. This fund was a major blessing. You know, this individual uh, is a good friend of mine and part of our church for years and has really struggled with their view of God. And that's why we recommended spiritual direction specifically, um, because they were already seeing counseling, but spiritual direction kind of helps you walk through like what you believe and why you believe it. And kind of, it's, it's not therapy, it's not counseling, but it's, it's, it kind of helps you think through your spiritual life. And this person had some real baggage around their view of God. And uh, what's really crazy is they, uh, they came back to, they come to church every once in a while and they came a couple weeks ago when I was talking about how much God loves you and you have to let go of the lens of your parents for those who were there. And they sent me this text that same day. Next slide. They said, I I so needed that sermon, which just always makes a pastor super happy. (laughs) I feel super seen, and I feel like God loves me, and it's rare for me to feel like that. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. It was a pretty good sermon, but I promise you that was probably not the only variable, Um, that this is the same person who went, has gone to therapy, who has done spiritual direction, has been working on their relationship to God and their understanding and their theology, and they've been working through this. And so then when they come, they, they were finally had the ears to hear a sermon of love and acceptance because they've been able to unwork some of the toxic religion that they've experienced in the past. And so it's not just because I like, knocked it out of the park that week. It's because you all have helped fund a mental health fund that provided people with the resources they needed to get the help that they want. So there's some of the things that we're doing in the community. i want to let you know a little bit about what's happening here at our church. Um, first off, uh, City Friends, if you're new with us, this is a, this is a ministry for adults with developmental disabilities. Uh, we just had our Fall Fest, which was a blast. I did do karaoke, as promised. I will never do it again. Um, but uh, it was a lot of fun, and I, wanted to, I just wanna share a little bit of like why this is so important. There's a, this is a picture of Ron and uh, Tamara, and Tamara is a sweetheart. And uh, I did not ask her permission to share this story, so don't, don't, but I'm going to share it anyways. It's because it has to be said. She was sitting at lunch one day after both services, and I sat down, and our previous director of City Friends, Amanda, who who was with us um, at the time, uh, was sitting there, and Tamara was like, you know, Amanda, I'm just so grateful for City Friends, for the friendship class, because, and I'm, I'm sitting there, okay? This is not happening across the room. I'm right next to her. She said, I'm so grateful for the friendship class because I don't understand half of what Joe says. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, of course, I am like, I don't miss a beat. I'm like, look, I don't understand half of what I say either. So you're in good company. But, you know, I really, I really do, though, feel like that's a testament to why this is so important. And why this is so? She she has a place to connect and to to feel meaningful. I, I and, and and I you know I'm like well maybe I'm just never going to connect with her because I'm just like the way I talk I talk too fast all these sort of things. The next week though, I shared my story about being an, an adult with autism and ADHD, and how I'm a person with a a, a, a disability. And uh, I if you it's on the podcast you can listen to it if you're curious what that means. And uh, I share this whole story and. At the Fall Fest, Tamara was there and she was, Ron was not, her Her very, very dear friend Ron was not at church and she was telling Ron all about how the pastor has a disability and how I'm like in her club now. And then she was like, and, and that person over there with the red shirt, they have autism. And that person with the blue shirt, they're OCD. And they're all talking about their like disabilities. Like this is the card that they carry and it's like who they are. And I was like, I just felt like I never, like I just felt like I belonged, you know? This is a really important ministry. We all are humans with some sort of struggle, and this is a place. So um, with the departure of Amanda, our previous associate pastor, she went and took another uh, appointment or another job. Um, Delaney is filling in for us as well as our volunteers, uh, Beth and others. And it's a really important ministry, and it's a great time to get involved because uh, it's just really, really important. So uh, the next ministry area I want to give you a brief update on is uh, City Kids. So... We uh, you know one of the things that we pride ourselves is we have a phenomenal group of staff and volunteers that, that are invested in our kids. Um, and we're uh, so grateful for Molly and for her team and for everyone who volunteers. I know it's a lot of work. Um, but this uh, graph here shows you kind of what our attendances looked like this year. Um, can you go to the next one? If you look here, um, that section, the average attendance was around 11 and, and most recently our average attendance has been 19. I, I told Molly, I said, you know, City Kids has doubled in attendance. She's like, oh, I know. I was like, no, I know you know antidotally, like you've, you feel it, but like statistically, the numbers also like basically, we've gone from an average of 11 to an average of 19. We're really grateful for this. Um, I will say that that means that we need more volunteers. I love that you wanna ask a question. Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I love it. Christy's so so stressed that you asked it. Uh, the dates with nothing uh, throughout the summer. We did special Sundays where we didn't have city kids. We did an outdoor service, a joint uh, ministry fair, things like that. So, um, and and so those are those those blank ones. Um, but. Uh, the reality is, as our children's ministry is growing. We want to continue to invest in it. We are in the process of looking and uh, looking and potentially hiring a new nursery coordinator. We're just going to expand our paid staff downstairs a little bit. Um, and we're always in need of volunteers. Um, we really, we have so many kids and, uh, only so many arms. We have so many babies right now. We really need additional volunteers. So if you at all are at all appreciative of our city kids ministry, I would encourage you to think about that. And if you come to the next steps event, you can ask Molly questions around uh, what that looks like. Um, So let me find my spot. Uh, the last, the next one I want to show just briefly, and we're almost done, is uh, small groups. So you can see there at the end, this is attendance for our various small groups. After the grand opening, uh, Delaney, our staff person on small groups, uh, really worked hard uh, in partnership with me to train new small group leaders and to launch new small groups with the hope that new people would come to the grand opening and then find a place to connect. And you can see the huge jump in attendance as we launched uh, about four new small groups um, that people have been able to attend and if you're curious why they're different colors, <laughs> the blue means that they are a member of the group in the database and the purple-pink is, uh, they were listed as a visitor, so they don't, like their name wasn't put in, into the database, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I shouldn't have explained it then. <laughs> I thought this little interaction, mostly because it's stressing you out. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. I'm gonna land this plane though. Charts, 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 charts. Um, we have about seven groups right now. The average size in the group is a nine, and we have 47 unique individuals in a small group. I mean, that's huge because we have. Uh, this service is on average like 50 people in worship so it's uh, really important for us that you have a place where you can get to know other people and so if you're not a part of a small group we'd love to have you come check one out a lot of our small groups are zero commitment um, where you don't have to commit to be there every week um, there are small groups occasionally in the life of the church where it's kind of like you're, you're there for the run of it, you know, because of the topic or whatever. But right now, most of them are like, Hey, you can just come check it out. Come, come on Wednesday night to midweek, uh, come, you know, to church ladies, etc. Um, and you're welcome. So, um, Yeah. So that that I want to. This is the last thing I want to. Last thing I want to share is just kind of where we're headed. Um, I am going to share a little bit more next week uh, as we continue giving you kind of the end of the year update on our church. Um, I know hopefully this hasn't been wildly boring for you, um, but I think this is really important to to share and hopefully you've felt that. But there are we are in the process. We have three grants that we've submitted this year. We do not know if we'll get these, but I wanted to let you know them because they reflect the type of ministry that we'll probably do either way. The first one is United Methodist Community Ministries grant. Uh, I worked on this grant in partnership with Delaney, one of our staff members, as I've mentioned, um, and she, as well as hopefully a team of people, are working on an idea of having an open mic night that would happen on a monthly basis for especially anyone who wants to come and play or sing music, and a fun fact, Dan's a little bit of a local legend here around open mic nights. Yeah, big deal, Dan over here. <clears throat> but our, we were, one of the things that Delaney has a big heart for, and I know many of you do as well, is we've got friends who just aren't going to come into this space because it's a church, um not because they don't believe in god not because of you know they don't disagree with our theology but just like the church building is too traumatic and so we're looking to do an open mic night as an expression of our faith where we could just invite anyone to come and share and build community around that and it would be a monthly experience at a coffee shop and so uh whether we get the grant or not that's the type of thing that we might do next year um the go grants is also a denominational grant we're uh, applying to expand our ministry to adults with developmental disabilities um This neighborhood has a lot of very significant uh, organizations that work with adults with developmental disabilities. There's job workforce development and art programs all in this neighborhood, but there's no collaboration for various reasons. And this grant is not only gonna help us expand our programming, but hopefully uh, build some bridges across different organizations doing the work. And the last one is 614 Beautiful. This is a city grant. Um, that we've been able to fill out along with Cheryl, not to call you out, Cheryl, who's a master gardener, has a beautiful garden right over here if uh, uh, next to the church. Um, but we're working with Cheryl and other uh, local neighbors to do some beautification, uh, specifically uh, providing some micro grants to neighbors to do plant native plants and flowers. And then also some funds to update our courtyard a little bit and really just kind of create green space for our neighborhood and so these are not grants that we've gotten but these are the type of things that we're looking at and even if we don't get the grants these are the type of things that we'll do last thing i want to say uh, about our church update is this um, we just merged with st luke's and i would say for the most part it's been a, a great success um, uh, of course mergers can't make everyone happy but. Most people on both sides of of our communities Central City, which was this service and St. Luke's, which was the eleven o'clock service for the most part people seem really content and happy with the merger and that is kind of a miracle because mergers don't usually produce uh, significant positive results but when you measure a lot of the data of our church like attendance is up giving is up all of these things are up after the merger, which is just a sign of like health and we're really really happy about that um and we had a great grand opening with the blessing boxes and um, we had a magician who um, was fun. I, I heard he was the best part. And, and that's saying something because I thought I did pretty good that day. <laughs> and I missed him. But a great grand opening, a lot of fun, really, you know, really happy with that. And I just want to name that as another thing that you're enabling happening. Last two things is, Um, uh, we have a new youth ministry that we're exploring in partnership with other churches. So if you have kids who are going to be teenagers, that's coming up, we're really excited about. And then, uh, two months ago, um, we, our board approved $30,000 to be invested back into our building. So, um, sadly, a lot of that is things that you probably won't notice because they're, they're structural stuff that needs to happen in our building and like updating code, Stuff with our doors and whatnot, but um, we're, we have a special fund for capital improvements. We're, we're in the process of investing thirty thousand back into the space, so that we, um, so that it can be like. So all that to say, I mean, this is just a really exciting time to be at our church and to be a part of what God is doing. I want to end with this. I know I keep saying I want to end, but I'm for sure this time. We started we started with the great commandment to love God and to love others, and so I want to end with the great the great commission. If you are in your Bibles, you can just skip ahead a few pages to 1550, and, uh, and it says this. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always." the very end of the age. You know, we're not just meant to love people like Jesus, but we are meant to go out and love people outside of our community like Jesus and to help other people love other people like Jesus. The command is to go. And so as we continue as a church to figure out who we are and what it means for us to be a community here, we want to also be thinking about how we can continue to be a blessing to others.